everybody, what's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, Tuesday, May the 3rd. Michael Beller, Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston here with you on today's episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll spend most of our time looking at days two and three of the NFL Draft. We recapped day one last Friday after it took place, round one, day one. So if you're looking for those first round picks and our fantasy spin on them, just go back one episode in the feed and you will find that. That with that episode today, we look at day two and day three. We'll also talk about the DeAndre Hopkins suspension. Jake, what's going on, man? How you doing? Yeah, I mean, you could also just mention the fact that I have like 18 articles covering this on the website. Appreciate and Jake's it. got 18 <laughs> articles covering this on the website, so be sure to check all that out. There are winners and losers. There are grades. There's there day one through day three. Everything is out there from Jake Seeley on the website. And I imagine, Brandon Funston, you did quite a bit of the uh, editing on those. I did a fair amount of it, yeah, um, and yeah, hopefully retain some of it. Uh, we'll, we'll find out here shortly. <laughs> we will find out here shortly. Let's quickly talk about DeAndre Hopkins. What's the fantasy fallout here? He's going to miss the first six games of the 2022 season, so obviously bad news for him, bad news for Kyler Murray, good news perhaps for Marquise Brown and some of the other guys left behind in Arizona. Jake, obviously you've taken a first pass at rankings post-draft. What happened to Hopkins once we got the word of the suspension i had him at 17 behind dj moore and between him and michael pittman and he's dropped down all the way to 42 but that's year long obviously we know when DeAndre hopkins gets back after six games the impact he'll be in the mid-teens he'll be back to 17 so you'll get that 15 to 20 production once week seven hits but that's what comes down to whether or not you draft and so you probably if you draft them aren't going to wait till 42 to take them but that's where he would finish overall. Uh, Marquise Brown, obviously, it's just to a tick up. But, you know, Marquise Brown, hey, like Kyler Murray. So I think they have some familiarity. But, you know, you see the opportunity there. But I think that you expected Marquise Brown, what we talked about last week when we talked about the, sh- the trade when it happened, was that, you know, wide receiver four when Hopkins is out there. Maybe he's a more, consi- more consistent and still only just a wide receiver three because A.J. Green is going to be involved. Gives a little bit of glimmer of hope for Rondell Moore at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. I honestly think it's not even the wide receivers. I think the biggest winner is Zach Ertz because we saw what Zach Ertz was before this team when DeAndre Hopkins was missing time. So I think Zach Ertz just cemented himself as another top 10 tight end until Hopkins comes back. Yeah, not a whole lot to add. I mean, in general, I'm kind of out on Arizona wide receivers just looking at the mm-hmm. four-year history of Kyler Murray and the fact that you know there was one year there was a wide receiver one in this offense. Last year, there was a wide receiver 28 in Christian Kirk. No other wide receiver in four years has been high, has been a wide receiver three. You know, in terms of finishing production, it's it's a spread it around a little bit. They run a lot uh, at the goal line. There's been a lot of running back touchdown production and Kyler Murray taking it himself in this offense as well. So, um, yeah, it's a big bummer because, yeah, I like DeAndre Hopkins, but I just don't know if I'm a buyer of anybody else in this in this system. I did yeah, drop Murray it, one spot, too. I had him one spot in front of Justin Herbert, but now he's behind Justin Herbert on one spot. It's always hard to, like, these. The, the suspensions are always tricky, right? It's hard to know when to say when. And, Jake, you always point back to the Le'Veon Bell suspension and how, right. you know, you were losing the four games of Le'Veon Bell, but it wasn't like you were just going to have a zero in that spot. You were going to replace him with a running back and blah, blah, blah. And that makes a ton of sense. But that was, you know, basically peak Le'Veon Bell. We are not talking maybe already post-peak DeAndre Hopkins. Post-peak. And so it makes it like, like <laughs> yeah. I feel like I am never going to be the person who says, all right, I'm ready to roll the dice. 
Yeah, at this point in his career, you, you know, it's it's eleven games. The best the best of the eleven games that you want out of DeAndre Hopkins. It's better when the when the the, the DMPs come at the beginning of the year, especially for guys that are <laughs> right. slightly post peak. So um, yeah, so it's DeAndre Hopkins for eleven games, and then replacement replacement mm-hmm. value wide receiver. What does that add up to? You know, it's it's. You know, yeah. I, like I said, I think you're probably drafting him higher than where Jake has him at 40, but I understand what he's doing there because yeah. he's just doing how they're going to finish up in total fantasy points at the end of the year. For sure. And like Jake said, like he's not going to be – you're, you're going to have to draft him higher than wide receiver 42 if you want him on your team. I can't imagine myself being the person who says, all right, this is like 30 receivers are off the board. This is the time for Hopkins. Yeah. I just don't see myself being the person who pulls that trigger. Mm. Uh, it would have to be my wide receiver. Whew. I could see him as my wide receiver three. Yeah, I mean at best, right? Uh, I, I've well, always, uh, I've always had a soft spot for Hopkins. I just, <laughs> I love him as a pure true talent. He's been productive you know? with yeah. Kyler Murray. I mean, you know, that's the the fact is, is he's still top twenty when he's out there, and uh, this isn't an injury. This isn't coming back from an ACL or Achilles or anything like that. So For sure, for sure. If you tell me, you know, we're down into the 30s, as you mentioned, if you tell me, if I'm drafting, it's Marquise Brown versus DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's a warrant. That depends on your roster, but I, I lean Hopkins in a vacuum because I yeah. think Marquise Brown would be six weeks, and then everybody knows, well, wise managers will know that you have a ticking clock to get rid right. of Marquise Brown. So Devonta Smith is in that same group. Mike Williams is in that same group. Like there's all, those are all the guys that you get 21 week and two of the next. And so at that point, if I already have two wide receivers, instead of drafting one of them, I'll just take Hopkins. Uh-huh. I think that, I mean, so I'm not doing that, but I think that, that that's a fair argument. I'm probably yeah. not doing that. I'm probably so yeah, still like taking Renfro Devontae in the same Smith, range. I think, and I can see taking Renfro yeah. instead of Hopkins because you yeah. get that consistency. As we talk about all the time, it, it'll depend on what you have built on your team when you get to the point where we know DeAndre Hopkins will be about to go when drafts uh, when draft season gets here. So that's what we've got for DeAndre Hopkins. Let's get into the NFL draft and everything we weren't able to talk about last week because it hadn't happened yet. But now it has happened. We can take a look back at the rest of the draft rounds, two through seven, days two and three. We're just going to sort of rapid fire these uh, fantasy relevant, potentially fantasy relevant guys at you here and talk about what we think about what there might be in store for them in their rookie seasons. We are obviously just going to focus on 2022 redraft rookie season stuff. If you want some longer term dynasty rankings, guess what? Jake's got you covered there as what you do have is covered, right, Jake? Yes. Yeah. Glad glad you're paying attention. (laughs) Hey, man. Hey, hey. Don't get on me. Don't get on me. I've been handing out basketball winners all weekend long. That's what I've been doing. So get the hell out of here, Jake. Jake's got you covered in the dynasty world as well in written form, in spoken form here. We are really just going to focus on 2022 redraft leagues. And let's start, you guys, with Christian Watson. We knew the Packers were going to come out of this draft with a receiver fairly high up, maybe a little later than some of us wanted to see. But ultimately, it is Christian Watson to the Packers. So, Jake, immediate impact here? I mean, sort of how could he not make an immediate impact, right? Yeah, well, how could he not? But how could he not is that he ends up being like every other project, athletic, gifted wide receiver who just doesn't pan out in the NFL because they just 
can't connect in the NFL. The the route running is an issue, and it's not like we haven't seen the Packers draft this kind of wide receiver before. And you know, everybody, there's a lot of Jeff Janis has been thrown around. Look, he's not mm-hmm. that bad. Like that. Let's be honest about it. I I wrote about him. I could see a floor, kind of like a Van Jefferson. So wide receiver four, and that's not what they drafted, and that's not what people are hoping for when you're supposed to be one of the top two options for Aaron Rodgers this year. And Sammy Watkins has very, 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 very little guaranteed money, so he's not even a guarantee to be on this roster from day one. So we're assuming it's Watson and Lazard. But, you know, this is the same. I think he's better than Marquez Valdez-Scantling, but it's the same role of Valdez-Scantling. So I'd say I put him in the wide receiver four conversation. A, to give you an idea of who else is behind him, just redraft only. You know, I have Gallup and Renfro and Ayuk and Gabriel Davis, Thielen at this point in his career, Christian Kirk. Like, those are the names that he's around. Now, could he actually far surpass that and become a top 20 wide receiver? Of course. So that comes down to, too, is like, if I'm drafting, I'm probably taking Watson or Gabriel Davis versus at Adam Thielen. This is goes back to like we've talked about for years. It's like, why am I going to draft a guy who I know – is going to be the wide receiver three or four. I'll draft the guy who could potentially be the top 20 wide receiver out of this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you saw the MVS comps, and the problem is he is raw. He does come from North Dakota State, and there is going to be a learning curve. And, you know, for him to get excited, you kind of have to feel like he's going to hit the ground running. Can he, though? Like, if if he's the clear deep threat, take the top off the defense, uh, you know, threat, is Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard, and Randall Cobb enough to keep the defenses from, you know, kind of like making sure that they're prepared for that? Like, I just... I don't like it. I think he's all dynasty for me. I'm not going to have any shares of Christian Watson. I do see the talent, and I do see the upside, but he's a work in progress, and I think that Green Bay... Packers offense the way it's situated right now it's not going to do him any favors in 2022 uh, are we sadder about Brees Hall going to the Jets or Kenneth Walker to the Seahawks because I feel like we're sad about both I'm very no, happy Hall about because I'm very happy about Kenneth Walker going to the Seahawks Brees Hall because we're sad about Michael Carter like that's all that's, yeah yeah I, I, I'm, so I am bummed about. about Michael Carter big I mean we're we're team Michael Carter here and uh, very much so yeah I mean so I'm, I'm very bummed about Carter but I'm like bummed about Hall too right we wanted him to go to a place where he could be a little I mean he still be. get excited about him but like I don't think quite as excited especially since it dampens our Carter excitement I think it squashes Carter more than it squashes Penny you know if we're mm-hmm. looking at like I think Brees Hall has a chance to be more of the the lead player there than Kenneth Walker is going to completely take over in Seattle. So, um, yeah. So, it, to me, it's pouring one out for Michael Carter. Still some hope for Rashad Penny in fantasy circles. Yeah, this Are is we done be... on Michael Carter? No, but he's, if this is for people out there. The optimism is, you know, best case, Denver. Best case, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And he's an mm-hmm. RB2 is Kareem Hunt. But I don't think that's what it's going to be. As all said it a couple of times, I think this is more Arizona last year. And he's Chase Edmonds. Now, if you see Chase Edmonds finish RB31 last year in points per game and total for the season, but that's a bumpy road to get to that. And yeah. it's really like unless something happens to Brees Hall. So, yeah, this is devastating for Michael Carter, who I had inside the top 15 before the NFL draft and in that Austin Eckler mold. But they didn't draft Brees Hall and move up. It's, they didn't move up much, but they moved up. To yes. Actually, I think it's more telling the fact that they moved up two spots than moving up <laughs> 15 
because it was those two spots to say, like, legitimately somebody can jump us in this next two picks. Uh-huh. We want Brees Hall. That's kind of damning for the Michael Carter. And what is this offense? Is the 49ers and the 49ers, you get what you get. You play what you play. Brees Hall could get a little bit more of the passing game work, but it's pretty much, I see, close to 20 touches a game, if not more, because he's in that Elijah Mitchell role. Yep. So we're talking Hall over Carter without question. Oh, by a mile. God, doesn't that suck? I mean, it does, it does suck. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's denying that it sucks. <laughs> it's just, just oh, my 100%. So, I have Brees Hall. What, what did Michael Carter do to deserve this, right? Seriously, ridiculous. Man, yeah. he and Javante, team, they just can't catch a break. I have Brees Hall alongside Aaron Jones and J- uh, Josh Jacobs inside the top 20, so there you go. Oh, wow. I mean, that, that, that Jets offensive line is going to be one that is very friendly to the running backs, whoever's carrying the ball behind them, and hopefully Zach Wilson can make something out of it as well because there is, even though we are bummed about Michael Carter, there's some, there's there's a good amount to like here if uh, if Zach Wilson can put it together just in terms of this being a fertile fantasy Oh, uh, Don't worry, even if he doesn't, he'll get 18 more excuses like Daniel Jones. Next year it'll be like, oh, he needs a good slot receiver, and then next year it'll be like, well, he doesn't have a tight end, and the next year, after, like him and like da- Daniel Jones could be running out there with Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Kyle Pitts, and have thirty two hundred yards and twenty touchdowns, and people were like, but he doesn't have a good slot receiver. Like, yeah. I don't think we can say it enough that Scott White and Joe Flacco outperformed him last year. Yes, you know, like is... this team looked better with them behind. Wait, Mike, Mike, White. Mike White. Yeah, Mike, Mike White. I mean, Scott, Mike, White. Uh, Scott White. <laughs> Scott White jumped player. off of CBS doing baseball to come over and play quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> he might have done as well as Zach Wilson. Who knows? It was it was Mike pretty White. ugly. It was pretty ugly for, for Zach Wilson last year, for sure. Kenneth Walker, though, fun thing. You're excited about this? You like this? Love him. I love the talent. Um, you know, Seattle's going to run the, the ball. Big Ten. Oh, just he's just good. You know, uh, just in all the. I mean, I didn't watch a ton of him during the year, but just watched a lot of highlights of and you know just film of him. He was good on his highlights. He was, uh, but <laughs> look at the four three eight, the ability to break tackles. Um, yeah, I think you know we're going to probably see Seattle. I was looking at their rush numbers last year. Uh, in, in Denver's, I think we're going to see a 400 plus carry um, running back group this year. And it was mm-hmm. about 60 more than last year. Um, so I can break that down as about 24 carries a game. And from the running back position, I would expect Kenneth Walker to get about 14 of them. Maybe Rashad Penny gets 10 and, and maybe makes up that difference in the passing game with three or four catches. So I, I think the touches are going to be fairly equal uh, in you know, which means, especially if Rashad Penny has a lot more involvement in the passing game, maybe Rashad Penny is close to equal in value as well. But I just think Kenneth Walker's a really good player. And um, where do you have him ranked, Jake? Because I'm curious about that. How far do you have those two apart? Walker. Walker. Walker I, and <clears throat> Penny. Yeah, Walker, I have at 24. He's in between J.K. Yeah. Dobbins and Damian Harris. And then, and then you have Penny down at 37. 37. I can see those be being maybe a little bit closer. I, I think the injury worry for Penny probably drops him down also. But uh, no, I mean, I, who are you pushing Penny in front of? That's my question back well, to you. It might be that I drop Walker down a little bit more. And um, well, Damian yeah, Harris has a split. That's still like actually people are out there like oh Stevenson should be over Harris like uh, did you watch their games last year <laughs> Stevenson <laughs> had two really good games and it took over twenty uh-huh. carries to get there Harris was better well, but 
ETN. We just talked about it. I'm probably having Penny over Michael Carter now. I mean, that's two spots. So, um, and maybe, yeah. I mean, there. Yeah, I am. I'm gonna have to run through this. I'll. We'll have to put. We'll have. We'll postpone that conversation uh-huh. for, for another day. Have our, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. When we get through all these draft guys. <laughs> exactly. For, yeah. Um, we were pretty confident, you guys, that the Texans were going to come out of this. In fact, I think we were 100% sure the Texans were going to come out of this with the running back, and they did, and Damian Pierce. So, Jake, I mean, horrible team, workhorse potentially. What are we looking at here? So, what happened was the Texans got Kenneth Walker, basically. Now, I'm not saying he's on Kenneth Walker's playing field, but he's discount Kenneth Walker. And that's what they drafted, and that's what they got. And we see the reports today, like, oh, you know, he's going to have to earn the carries, and there's no pecking order, blah, 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 blah. Like, first of all, this is an old-school coaching staff that's going to say that. And that's what we hear. There's two things coming out of the draft. For everybody out there, let's remember, you get two things coming out of the draft. You get the Traylon Burks, we're going to feed him as many as you can see, or you get the he's going to have to earn his role. There's no in-between. There's no like people like, yeah, he should be the yeah. lead. We'll have to see how things play. No, people want to put you at the opposite <laughs> no end of the nu- spectrum. No nuance in a post-draft no, press conference. No, not at all. <laughs> Pierce, like I said, he's discount Kenneth Walker. He'll lead that backfield. I don't understand why people are still on Marlon Mack. Like, can we stop with Marlon Mack? Like, I'm good God. How many chances do people want to give him? Like, He's a fine, okay running back. He was never even that great before he got hurt. And do you know what his guaranteed money is? $250,000. Like, there's no guarantees even on the roster for opening day. Uh So let's be realistic about this backfield. Damian Pierce should lead the way. I still don't think it's going to be 20 touches per game, but he'll be the first and second down guy. He'll lead the way. Mac might be involved. Obviously, Burkhead and the rest of the pass catching options. But, yeah. It's the I'm, just, Texas. I'm just laughing because I'm reading this this list of the Burks, running backs. Burkhead, David Johnson, <laughs> Royce Freeman, Jalen Samuels, Darway, Dare Ogunbowale, and Marlon Mack. I mean, yeah. good oh Lord. my God. All the like yeah. the broken I'll take down my cast chance, I'll take my chances on Pierce. Yes, that thank is, you very much. That is like that is like a cast off per year. Right there. <laughs> <It> is, right. <laughs> right? Oh my God. That like one of them was cast off in seventeen, one in eighteen, one in nineteen, and they just all have collected mm. in Houston. They were cast offs, except let's not remember let's not forget. David Johnson was actually a trade. <laughs> let's right. remember yeah. that. That was the glorious. <laughs> For DeAndre yeah, Hopkins. Hopkins. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you told the Texans today, hey, you get six games suspended DeAndre Hopkins, but after they'd still take that trade back at this point. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, absolutely would do that. Uh, let's go back to a couple of wide receivers here, you guys. Let's go to uh, George Pickens, who ended up going to Pittsburgh. Uh, I mean, we, we were joking about this right beforehand, that Chase Claypool was going to come out and announce a, a receiver as a pick for the Steelers, and then boom, 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 there we go. George Pickens goes to Pittsburgh. I mean, this this feels exciting. It, it might not pan out, Funston, but it feels like an exciting, something that we can really dig into in the summer. Yeah, I mean, I like him a lot. Uh, I don't know that I love the landing spot. And, um, you know, at some point, first of all, Mitch Trubisky, um, yeah, you know, that's that hasn't been conducive to juicy, fancy numbers for wide receivers. I know. So then it's <laughs> – I was just trying to think about this before I came on, on the air here. When's the last time there was a rookie-to-rookie quarterback-receiving combination that – really got you excited i mean can you think of one really quickly i mean i I know there's probably been one but like when has there been a a rookie quarterback that really gelled right out of the gate with a rookie wide receiver 
Mason Rudolph and James Washington. <laughs> we we thought that was going to be a they, thing, right? They ate lunch, <laughs> they ate lunch together. I'm not saying from their college Oklahoma days. State, it, baby. It, it had to happen in the NFL. Uh, yeah, nothing immediately comes to mind. That is, that's definitely yeah. true. And I, you know, it's not going to be a pass-heavy <laughs> offense. Deont- Deontay Johnson's going to lead the way. Like, I, I just I, feel like Pickens wait, will no, be wait. hit and miss. Wait, how many games does Zach Wilson have with Elijah Moore last year? Uh, God, it couldn't have been a huge amount, right? Is that is that going to be is that going to be what is that, you know? No, with, I, though, go I don't no, know no. if that's a selling point. No, I was going to go back previous years, but I mean, just that alone. I mean, even if he overlapped a few of those games, did he overlap any of those games? That was a ridiculous connection. I'm saying if they could do it last year, uh-huh. that was my point. But, but you're talking about a very small sample size, you know. And what did, did where did the Zach Wilson Elijah Moore? Where did, what did that do for fantasy teams? I mean, like. People aren't looking back going, oh, man, that Elijah Moore, Zach Wilson run really carried me, you know. Like, no, but it, your question was like the success. Yeah, okay, 12, through, 12, 12 through 15. Yeah, those are all Zach Wilson games. All right. So all the, right. you had you had a hot month there. Okay. I feel like Funston's question was more the, like, that got us excited. Yeah. Right. I'm advance. saying, there, and there, I know there's there's more than that, but I was just saying, if you just think back to last year, I was, there's definitely somebody. We'll probably like, let somebody put them in. Comments. I know. I'm, I'm not talking. saying it never happened. I'm just saying like it just doesn't just doesn't come to mind. Especially you know, we're just a court, uh, okay. Especially well, a quarterback that was taken twentieth overall. Well, that's know? what I was like, about to say. So let's time out on the fact that like your question underlies the fact like I don't have to be excited about Pickett because I'm not, but right. I can be. I can. I, well, just the same way. I was. I'm still not that excited about Zach Wilson, but I'm excited for Elijah Moore. I'm excited for you know Garrett Wilson, and I'm excited for George uh-huh. Pickens. Absolutely, and that's really what it comes down to is you know George Pickens, perfect landing spot in my opinion because Mike Tomlin is the best coach you could possibly find for somebody having issues that Pickens has. If that's the only thing, injury is part of it too. But he came back from the injury and looked okay. Granted, it wasn't a huge amount of games to sample off of, but if he's a hundred percent. And if Mike Tomlin, you know, gets what he does in the past and, like, kind of gets into his head and teaches him and everything like that, this is one of the four or five most talented wide receivers in the draft. So he's going to step right past Claypool, and then Pickett doesn't have to be better than Ru- – or actually, I don't care if it's well, Trubisky Jake- or – well, no, hold on. I don't care if it's Trubisky or Pickett because Ben Roethlisberger for the last three years was utter trash and still pre- performing numbers for these wide receivers. I feel like we're we're taking the glass half full, glass half empty. Because if I'm thinking about where I'm going to rank Pickens, wide receiver fifty three might be where I'm landing, and I'm I'm taking the negative side of things. And you ranked him wide receiver fifty three, and you're talking glowingly. So, like, I think we both are kind of in the same area as far as what we think about Pickens's value. You're saying how it could work out. I'm saying where you know the headwind is. So, well, I also uh, have Claypool at fifty five. And so you have Deontay at what? 12 or 13. 12. 11. Yeah, I mean. And yeah, I mean, to go back to what we were saying about drafting, I'll take Pickens over most of those people in the mm-hmm. lower 40s, upper 50s, because in that range is Robert Woods coming off injury. Who knows? Alan Lazard, I'd take Pickens over here. Like, again, this comes down to a lot of projection season long and why we always sit here yep. and why we do our draft shows and why we talk about it is because uh-huh, yes uh-huh. 
you know, Kadarius Tony, a few spots in front of him, might finish in front of him. But what's the ceiling for these two players? Again, goes back to the Christian Watson. I could see Pickens finishing as a top 25 wide receiver. Well, am I going to put that in my projections, my rankings? No, but that's when we get to this range. I'm not drafting Devontae Parker at 57. I'm just, I I won't have Devontae Parker anywhere. (laughs) You don't draft the 57th receiver for him to be wide receiver 57. Or even 47. Yeah, you draft you want him to be twenty seven. You draft a fifty seventh receiver because yeah, maybe he can be in the top thirty. Right. And so that's where that's where Pickens falls. What about what about <laughs> Alec Pearson, Sky Moore? I was just I, about I to bring like up Alec Pearson. <laughs> I feel like the I feel like the landing spots aren't bad. Alec Pearson to Indy could immediately be the number two receiver there. Sky Moore, Chiefs. Hey, it's the Chiefs. It's Patrick Mahomes. Right. I mean, hell, take a shot on that. I think there's I think there's things to get excited about with both of these guys here, Jake. One hundred percent. I was gonna say. So I have Alec Pearson sixty three. But I would draft him over Gage, over Jacoby, over Parker, over Boyd, even though, again, Claypool. That, like, I'm drafting, like, but that's where he fell in the ranks to start. There's a little bit of downside, you know, what Paris Campbell, is he healthy finally? And I know at this point of a career, this isn't often that a wide receiver, any player, shows up with this many injuries in this many years. Was this fourth year for Paris Campbell or fifth? I mean, he's, it's got to be at least fourth. Yeah. Yeah. Been around been around for a while so i'm just more concerned about that is you know do they battle each other all year for targets not as because they play a completely different roles yeah but yeah so so they both have 14 to 16 percent target shares then that's kind of where he should fall if he steps in and similar to what my opinion of pickens is and he steps in and now he's like 18 percent you know this is going to be too low and there'll be time to adjust this sky Moore. I have a lot higher, and I, I think Funston agrees. I don't know. I'm curious. This is what I keep saying about Sky Moore. I can love the player. I can love the landing spot, but also sit here and say, if you are in Dynasty and drafting right now, I'd also consider selling high immediately because of what you said. The very first words out of your mouth, Beller, was, he's on the Chiefs. It's- yes. <laughs> Sky Moore next year could be top 20 if Juju Smith-Schuster doesn't stick around. What if Juju Smith-Schuster bounces back? What if they're both back? What is there that sure. Travis Kelsey's not done for at least another two or three years? And that's what, the reason I bring up Travis Kelsey is because if Sky Moore is number two, yes, top 20 wide receiver, potentially even top 10. But if he's not, and if Juju comes back, the Kelsey slash other wide receiver always commands so much target share that we've been playing this game for how many years now? The third option yes. wide receiver yes. is always... Yeah, it's just it's not valuable in fantasy because the Watkins, target share Hardman yes, Robinson your like target share caps out at like twelve because those got the top two command like fifty percent. Uh-huh. This was absolutely crushing for the Mecole Hardman breakout. I mean, uh, where did you move him, Jake uh, Hardman? Got to be way down there now. Oh, Mecole, I, mean, I actually from have him seventy to seventy nine. Well, I, I think people are forgetting that's where MVS is. Yeah. People forget he's signed there. I'm uh, actually looking for Michael Harmon. I know he's down at least in the 40s. I'm looking for uh, him. No, What's he's uh, 74. 74. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Sad trombone. Burm, 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 burm. Uh, this was going to be his year. This was going to be Michael's year. It's never going to be. Do you, year. I mean, I mean, I think <laughs> we agree Travis Kelsey is going to be the number one target, but do you think yeah. that this is going to be a rotating, you know, I mean, there's legitimately – four or five receivers that could be in play any given week. Do you think that's going to rotate? Do you think we're going to get a hierarchy that settles in where you're going to have a clear one, two, three? So I think either way, well, your best case scenario is Juju doesn't have much left. 
when Sky Moore becomes Tyreek Hill on a target share basis. He's not going to be Tyreek Hill. Juju, we're talking about is Juju's like twenty five still, isn't he? He's oh, like, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's it's big. weird to hear hear someone <laughs> you, that's twenty five years old. Like he you, doesn't you, have you much. You know something about that? <laughs> He's not even a year older than Velas Jones. Who, by the way, is I don't know if you saw my tweet yesterday, Beller, who is older than DK Metcalf and a few others, and he's only one month younger than DJ Moore. For everybody out there, real quick, bear um, down. Yeah. So no, of course I, I'm not saying I'm just saying that's the only <laughs> to answer your question, Fonson, is what I'm saying is the opportunity for Moore. Best case scenario is if he is Tyreek Hill target share if he gets twenty plus percent. I'm with you, I think is what you're saying, is I'm thinking this could end up being 16, 17 for Juju and Sky Moore. And in that case, fantasy is overrating him. He'll be a great wide receiver three, but for now, fantasy is overrating him. Yeah, and I think so. And, and But you're absolutely right. In a dynasty, I mean, sky's the limit. I mean, pun intended, uh, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> pun very much intended. Going to add a third Y to the name. <laughs> There's so much going on there. Uh, how about Tyler Allgaier going to the Falcons? Algier. Team that we, Al, Ty, how about Tyler Algier going to the Falcons? <laughs> I, know, I, I found two, out too only two weeks ago, so you're fine. <laughs> all right, good, 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 good. I like that. Um, another team we knew was going to come out of the draft with a running back and another team that we were going to be at least like moderately interested, almost regardless of who the running back is, just because of the opportunity that's there. So how are we modulating that interest now, Funston? It's interesting. You know, um, I saw the James Conner comp. It, it makes him interesting. I mean, we were expecting a running back to go there. We weren't really expecting Mike Davis to be gone. And so now it makes him so much more interesting. You were expecting – I mean, I'm not shocked that he's gone, but like <laughs> the timing of it was kind of weird. Um, what Damian Williams is there, but this is probably Algier and and Cordero, and and what you're hoping for is a better version of Mike Davis out of Algier than what we saw last year. And you know, if the, if we get that, then you might get a regular 12, 12 to sixteen carries. It might happen. So um, honestly, as far as like opportunity for running backs drafted he's got to be top three to four in terms of expected volume i don't know where you at on that jake yeah so i mean Brees hall uh, no he was one of my favorite value running backs going into the draft and this was my favorite landing spots so i still only have him in the 30s though because cordell patterson is still good this is going to be a split backfield and what I expect to be a tough offense, like the, for fantasy purposes, yeah. it's not going to be help, doing a lot of favors. So sure. I have him in the 30s alongside Cordero Patterson and Penny and Carter and Hunt and those kind of names. And I did, I, I, as soon as they drafted him, I wasn't expecting it to happen the next day, but that should tell you how they feel about Algiers that it happened the very next day. They're like, see you, Mike Davis, you're done. Goodbye. Um, yeah. I expected him to take the lead and be the lead. And similar to what we talked about with Kenneth Walker is there's a big question whether or not Christian, Chris Carson's even on this roster anymore. Like that's his role. Uh, and I could see Algier moving up higher. It just comes down to I, I want to see this Falcons offense first. That, that's all really, really what it is. Is you know I'm seeing names in front of them that I have, but I don't know that I can get them into the 30s because once you get into the 30s, we're talking about Etienne, Pierce, Singletary, Edmonds as the lead. I, like, Do you really push them past any of those names with Cardell Patterson taking the passing down work? You're talking about the 20s, right, those guys? Yeah, I said over 30. So, yeah, into over the 20s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
yeah, and even Mike Davis hard, in, yeah. in in Carolina the year before and in Seattle the year before that looks so much better than he did in Atlanta last year. You know, I think there's a, you know a lot to, to what you said there about this Atlantic offense could just be a tough one. Could mm-hmm. be could be a tough. You know, it, would it have mattered a whole lot who Houston had at running back last year? It it probably wouldn't have. So yeah. it's kind of the same, kind of the same deal with Atlanta. You also probably have to assume at least some some rushing in, inside the five production taken off the table by Marcus Mariota. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these guys as well. Or Desmond Ritter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Captain Cook, how about him? I mean, not a bad landing spot for James Cook going to uh, going to Buffalo. I mean, at least. There's going to be a good offense there, right? We're talking about a totally opposite situation from Houston, from Atlanta. There's going to be opportunity. They took him to play him. So what are we thinking here, Jake? What do you like about James Cook or maybe not like about James Cook going to Buffalo? I won't have him on any of my teams because everybody else is going to see Buffalo and get excited. If this is, They drafted him to be what they thought they were getting when they were signing J- J.D. McKissick, and then J.D. McKissick said, ah, never mind. I, I changed my mind, which still don't know what the hell he's thinking. <laughs> Go from a Super Bowl contender. I mean, re- maybe he really likes Washington. I don't know. But yeah. this is what DC they were trying to do. They were trying to get this role. They found out what some of us thought, and I will victory lap this one. Some of us thought that Zach Moss just isn't an answer and not a great NFL running back. And they said, let's, we have to go to Singletary, but we still need a better pass catcher. Singletary is okay, but they needed that weapon in the backfield. But you're still third behind Josh Allen. It's Devin Singletary and Josh Allen, and then the passing down work for him. So, yes, great player. And if something happens to Singletary, he's talented enough to carry the ball. Probably, you don't, it's similar to Michael Carter. You don't want to touch the ball 20 times a game. But similar to that situation, so there is a higher ceiling. I just feel like people are going to say, ooh, like how many times do people get enamored with Moss and get enamored with Singletary? Like people just see this backfield and see the Buffalo Bill offense. They're like, oh, my God, I got to have running backs here. <laughs> so I just I don't think I'll own them anywhere. Yeah, I still I still kind of push back against, you know, Buffalo having a sea change on offense, you know. They don't throw the running backs very often. Baltimore Ravens don't throw the running backs very often. It's not because they haven't had people that can catch the ball. It's because, you know, maybe it's a little bit of the quarterback just doesn't want to dump the ball off and, and a little bit of the way the offense is designed. But I don't think Buffalo is going to have this massive change in throwing the ball to the running back just because they got a guy who's better at catching the ball than yeah. they've had in the past. So for that reason, I think he's going to get overrated. They're going to be like, oh, he can you know add a lot of catches to this offense. I, I don't know that Buffalo's changing their offense that much, to be honest. Am I crazy to like? I feel like the days yeah. of like running backs who can't catch the ball like are, are done. You know, right. we're, we're, kid, kids who are few. coming out of college today were born. There's a few for sure, but like every team has a running back <laughs> who is capable of catching the ball. So like, uh, so I, I'm, I'm like, like agreeing with Funston here that like if it happens years in a row, it's by design of the offense and not because they didn't have the personnel. We're, guys who come out of college now were born in 2001, 2002. Like they, I mean, they I, I, don't I, know I, I, like I, life before Ladanian Tomlinson. I legitimately have questions about Walker and Pierce being able to catch the ball. <laughs> so, but what I'll say real quick on the McKissick front. So he finished as was like a fringe RB two two years ago catching two years ago yeah eighty passes <laughs> to give everybody right, an idea right, like right. so that th- this role with Buffalo. Yes. Like, just yes. keep that in mind. So that's that's, that's how good you have to be as a pass catching only back to yes. register in right. fantasy. Yes. Right. I mean, Giovanni Bernard that year was like 32 or 33 with like 40 rushes uh-huh. and like 40, not 40 rushes, 140 rushes and like 40 something receptions. 
Like, so do you yeah. even think he's getting to like – I'm saying, do we think no, Cook yeah. is even getting 200 touches? Yeah. James White had the one year, and he caught 90-something passes that year. Yeah. Right? Uh, Tariq Cohen had the one year that he bluffed Ryan Pace into giving him four years for. <laughs> uh, a litany of missteps in the Ryan Pace era in Chicago. Uh, Rashad White and Isaiah Spiller, a couple oh. of guys who we know are going to enter as backups this season, for sure. White in Tampa, Spiller with the Chargers in L.A. Jake, is there any reason to be – like, are these guys – I mean, are we, are we talking – Fournette and Eckler handcuffs and handcuffs only. Are they good enough no. to even want to handcuff them? Do you do you go after them regardless of what you've done earlier in the draft? Rashad White already top three backup handcuff already, just because the talent and if something happens to Fournette, you're on Tom Brady's offense. Period. Yeah. Done. That's a. So is like, he a must? If you have Fournette, are you making sure to get White? No, because well, that comes into strategy. You know how I feel about yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, if the if the price is right, but I always go down to at best case scenario, you still only end up with one running back. I'd rather take sure. other people's backups. But mm-hmm. that being said, White would be one of the top top three for me uh, of the list of names, maybe top five at worst. But again, you're playing Tom Brady's offense, and they drafted him right there. Like we, people would be excited, at Ronald Jones in the eighth round to say like, <laughs> if anything happens to the front of Fournette, well, Russia. White's the better running back. <laughs> for Spiller, I'm taking even before that. I love Isaiah Spiller, and the Chargers finally got it right. They've been years, Roundtree, Kelly, Jackson. Like, they've been trying to find a backup, but a backup also who could play some. They have. They've sprinkled all three of them through, trying to give them some touches and trying to get some work involved to take the workload off Eckler, getting to 18, 19 touches in a game. So I think that I'm not going to draft Spiller and be like, oh, my God, I'm going to start him as my RB3. You might be in a team or might have a team where you do that, because you went wide receiver heavy or you got a tight end early. But if anything were to happen to Eckler, RB1 upside. No question about it. So I, lo- I love both of them. I'm a huge Rashad White fan. He was my third he was my third on my running back list. I think he's built like a, a six foot six foot two fifteen. I think that's good enough to be a three down back. He he ran a four four something and had a thirty eight inch vertical leap and caught forty three passes for Arizona State. I mean, he's a legit. I mean, former receiver, but I think he's a, a really good runner as well. I expect him to be Tampa's running back of the future. So in dynasty leagues, I pump him up even more. But I I agree with Jake. Like he is such an obvious fit for Tom Brady if Leonard Fournette goes down. I mean, he could really be like, you know, everybody was kind of like on the Chuba Hubbard train last year to, to, you know, pair with Christian McCaffrey. Like, he's so much better than Chuba Hubbard in my mind. So that if we see something happen to Leonard Fournette, you know, we throw that term league winner around, but I think Rashad White could immediately put up huge numbers in fantasy. All right, guys, we are uh, inside the 10-yard line heading into the end zone here on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. So, let me ask you this. Uh, the the group of receivers who we haven't yet discussed, John Mechie, David Bell, guys like that, uh, is there any one of these guys that you're already ha- got in the back of your mind as, yeah, I could see him being like a, a fun late-round flyer type to go after? Funston, why don't you take this one first? I will just say about David Bell, I mean, there's some guys that you just have to throw the 40 out the window. Yeah. Cooper <laughs> Cup ran a 4.62. David Bell ran a 4.65. He's a good football player in a in a place in Cleveland where there's, some, the Big Ten. Where there's some opportunity. He keep coming back to the Big Ten. I know. He is Big Ten. I, I, you know, I, 
he may not hit, but man, I'd be willing to take a chance on him. Uh, you know, late round flyer, whatever. I'm going to be watching him closely because I think he might be one of those players where we just overrate the 40 time, and he's actually going to be a much more productive player than that would indicate. Yeah, I already, I had David Bell very close to Alec Pierce in the t- upper 60s, and I can see him climbing from there. The only reason I don't have him higher is because I don't know at this point if Watson is actually starting at week one. Like, that that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. So this is a run-first offense. If it's Baker Mayfield, I think 50s might be the peak that you see. And I, I'm with Funston. I like Bell in this group. Uh, throw You skipped over Jalen Tolbert, too, in the same group. Is I would that take, you, Tolbert? Yeah, so I would I would take <laughs> I would take Bell over Mechie and Tolbert. Tolbert's base. I, it was interesting to me because I felt like a good comp for him was Michael Gallup. And they just kind of like took another Michael Cow. Yeah, I know, <laughs> so, right? But you know, is there is there a different narrative with him than than Christian uh, Watson? I mean, I think they're kind of similar, right? Yeah. Like they right now they they have potential for more, but right now they're sort of just vertical. Yeah, threats. pretty much. And I think they're looking as their number three, and then you know that's intriguing. Mechie should walk in as the number two. And that has some value with Davis Mills, but I think the most intriguing one, even if it's Baker Mayfield, is David Bell, but it's a run-first offense. So I think that if we said it was Baker under center, I'd probably give Mechie the slight edge over Bell. But for the upside of if it can be Watson at some point with Bell, then, yeah, I'm with you on Bell 100% on that, Faustin. And there's no way it can be Baker under center, right? It's got to be well, Jacoby Brissett and, and Baker's doing something else. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's sixty four thousand dollar question, but I mean, it, what world if, are we if in? If Watson's not Baker's allowed to play in week one, Cleveland. you really think they're going to be like, well, we're not going to go just use Baker? I think they have to figure <laughs> out a way that that is the case. I mean, like, you can't have Baker and Jacoby Brissett and. Deshaun Watson all on the same roster. Going I don't know. There's a lot of teams with like three legitimate quarterbacks. Well, not legitimate, but like (laughs) a hierarchy of like all Uh, three of them might be on the roster opening day type of thing. uh, Man, well, that one in particular feels like a disaster waiting to happen if they're all in the room. Mm -hmm. Week one. Mm -hmm. I guess Cleveland's got a Cleveland. That's that's, absolutely (laughs) true. And hey, if you didn't get that uh, last reference I threw out there, it's never a bad day to watch Major League. Just uh, keep that in mind as you're going through the rest of your day. That's going to wrap things up for us on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We're actually we're taking a week off next week. Me and Jake are both going on vacation. How about that? We timed that out very well. So yeah. a week off next week. We're back Funston with you next solo. week. Forty minutes. <laughs> yeah, Funston. You, unless yeah, we can we can stay on Funston if you just want to do this by yourself. It's- just going to be all Kenneth Walker and Rashad White. Talk. Hey, DK Metcalf. Kenneth Walker looks good in his highlights. And DK Metcalf. That's what it is. That's, That's right. what it's going to be all week next week. Now, we're off next week. We'll be back to you the week after. So uh, enjoy the week off from us, I suppose. And we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening. See you later.